Thanks for joining us for the Westbridge Church Podcast. More information about Westbridge Church is available at westbridgedanville.com. Here's this week's message from Pastor John McDougall. Good morning, church family. Thanks for being here today. It's a big day for us as we officially launch our BLESS initiative. The We've switched things up a little bit this year as a, a ministry team. Our, our year starts in uh, or, uh, first of September, runs through August, our ministry season, and normally we start with our theme, the theme of the year. But this, this year we've begun with our initiative, our big initiative. This is where we, we sense God moving us to go bless, and we're going to today have the opportunity to commit later, in, later on in the service. If you received one of these uh, the bulletin, there's the, the connect card that we'll tear off and, and you'll have the chance to, to drop that in the offering plate. If you don't have one, we'll, have a, we'll, we'll be uh, handing these out a little later as well. But next week is when we begin our, our uh, series. We're calling it Pure, but our theme of the year is where we'll focus on. And really, it's the heartbeat that will enable us to accomplish our blessed initiative. So the next two weeks especially are really important as we continue on to, to where God will will be leading us. But today, we, uh, we, we're week number four of our Go Bless series, and we have been uh, really focused on that whole idea of, uh, and by the way, thank you to, the, to our uh, AV team for the opportunity to have a telestrator here, and I feel like uh, John Madden, and why would you throw, if, if it's third and eight, you do not throw the ball. At the seven-yard marker, you got to run over here, and uh, <laughs> my telestrator is failing me. So that's all right. I, I will airdraw if I have to, but uh, we're still w- working out the bugs. But remember that graph that, that I, I put on that page where you had, we have been blessed in Christ. The moment we come to faith in Christ, we receive one blessing after another, His grace. But then we begin a journey, and we start out as as uh, really babies in Christ praying, praying, Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me. And that's an okay prayer to pray, and he's gracious to do that. But somewhere along the line, we, that prayer shifts from praying, bless me, to make me a blessing. And that's where we are this year. Our theme, the sweet spot is that we would go blessed. And as we wake up in the morning, the, the, the first prayer is not, Lord, bless me, but make me a blessing today. And as we enter into different relationships and and uh, scenarios, that that's our prayer. So by the end of this year, that's the prayer we're praying. Now, the question is, throughout this series, we've been asking, how do we get there? And God in his word has equipped us. We've looked at four essentials. The first essential Tyson took us to was, was that we're, we're, uh, we're praying. If you picture this as an axis where our goal is go bless, and it's up in the, the upper right is where we're going, at the foundation where everything starts is right here in, in our prayer. Just praying, Lord, would you bless me that I might be a blessing? And one of the things that we're praying and crucial to every successful team is unity, right? And Tyson took us to John 17. Of all the things that our leader prayed for us, he prayed, Lord, or to the Father, would you make them one that the world would know that, that you're my, they're my disciples? Tyson used the picture of the the uh, cave rescue, remember that from this summer? And how in the world do you get these, the soccer team out of this cave? And the whole world came together, unified on one mission, and it happened. 
And so it is in the body of Christ as we unify around the mission that our Lord has given us to go bless. That's, that's where it starts. But then we looked on the, if you looked at the bottom axis, really important, essential would be focused on the task of testifying to the good news of God's, of God's grace, which we could sum it up and say focused on the truth. So as followers of Christ, and we looked at Paul, remember in Acts 21, where he's about to jump the ship to Jerusalem, hard times coming, but man, he is locked in on his task, which was to testify to the truth of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins. He rose from the dead. He calls everyone to repent, to turn to him and to believe. And he offers salvation, which is the forgiveness of sin, but not just the forgiveness of our sin, but life forever lived in a relationship with our Father. And it's that shalom life, the, the kingdom life, that he says it starts right now where we, as we walk with him and experience him. So not only are we praying, we're focused, but then last week we, we watched Peter and John, as they began to go blessed, they hit resistance, they hit rejection, and, and the essential was that we would be fearless as we set out to go bless. And these guys, uh, pretty inspiring illustration and, and moment that, that just calls us, and really we landed on, it's a revolution of love for the people who, who don't know Christ that really drives us. And then today we come to our fourth essential, and this one is found over in Colossians chapter 2. I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 4. We'll begin reading in verse 2. Mahan, this is the brother who's a legend. Hey, it's all right, man. <laughs> so last a couple of weeks ago, I said, we've been trying to turn this, this uh, big screen into a chalkboard for like 10 years. And is there not technology out there that we can do this? And I threw that out to Mahan in less than 36 hours. He's, got, he's like, I got it. And uh, so if we can just give Mahan a hand. Thank him for his ministry. And Joan. <laughs> and I shouldn't do this because I'm, I'm going to steal a reward from Joan in heaven. But I, I've got to. I'm going to go bless. So, the, but then we realized we need a big iPad. And so we're like, ah, oh, man, we already made the budget for this year, so we're going to have to go looking for the money. She goes out and buys an iPad with her own money and says, it's done. Boom, just like that. And now we have a chalkboard. So thank you, Joan. <laughs> so here we go. Actually, I'm done with the pictures. Mayhan, you were late, brother. Where was this? <laughs> I'll use this anyway. All right, number one, devote yourselves to prayer. There we go. Being watchful and thankful. Here Paul starts off, and interesting how he gives us this essential right at the beginning. There it is, the axis. Prayer. Devote yourselves to it. Two things we're, we're focused on, being watchful and thankful. There was a day we were sitting around our kitchen table with, with uh, Tam's mom and, and uh, stepdad Mo this past summer, and they've been through all kinds of things in their life, and Mo has actually, um, yeah, his, his story, life should be a book, really. He's, he's put shoes, or went, knows how to put shoes on horses down in Texas. He's, uh, you know, walked point in Vietnam for us as a Marine, and, and he's uh, built the skyscrapers in Indianapolis back when iron workers didn't have all these wimpy safety rules and, and would walk on beams when they had, like, snow on them and stuff. He's uh, ridden his Harley all over the I think every state in our country, and live different places. I mean, he's been through all. So when he said, okay, I, I have a daughter and a granddaughter, 
And I thought about my life, and I thought if I had one thing to say to my daughter and granddaughter for their safety, it would be this. I was like, all right, I'm listening, right? <laughs> He's seen it all. He's like, okay, we're all just listening. What is that one thing? And guess what it was? Be aware. Be aware of your surroundings. And, and as I thought about that, I thought, how often in the word, God's word does he tell us, be aware, right? Peter, again and again, be alert. The enemy is prowling. He, we are not on neutral playing ground. There is evil in this world. Be aware. And here he, it, it is again where he's saying, okay, as you pray, be watchful, be aware. And where's the enemy trying to mess somebody up? Pray over them. You see someone getting discouraged, pray, aim some prayer right there. You see someone veering over here, pray for them. You see someone about to fall to temptation, pray for them. Be aware. You see someone creating division, mistrust in the body of Christ, pray over that. But then he says, and be thankful. Remember, you're in a battle, but also remember, we have a leader who won the battle. And so just thank the Lord and, and let thankfulness be a part of your prayer. But then he goes on. So we're praying, and he says, pray for us too, that God may open a door. So here we see the divine human cooperative. God must open a door for our message. But here's, here's his job. God opens the door so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And here we see his focus on the truth of the gospel. But then he says, for which I am in chains. He's fearless. He's suffering for this, but he's not going to stop. Then he says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So you see the three essentials we've already covered right here, but then we come to the fourth essential. We see it in verse 5. It says, be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. So what is wisdom? Wisdom is more than knowledge. Wisdom is skill in, in how we use the knowledge that we've been given. So it's not just swinging a hammer, but it's knowing how to swing the hammer, when to swing the hammer, and where to, where to swing it. So he says, be wise, and what's our wisdom? What, what are we doing to be wise in, really? Social skills with people who don't know Christ, who haven't opened their hearts to his love yet. We're to be wise and think about um, what would it look like to build a bridge to them. And it, then he says, he goes on, what's this look like? Make the most of every opportunity. So this is, as we think about go bless, bless to bless someone is really love in motion, the go pictures the action, and this is where it's at here. When, when opportunities arise to go bless, boom, we're moving. Make the most of every opportunity. Literally, redeem the time. If, if you have the opportunity, hit it. It's like a running back hitting the, the hole when it opens up. But here it comes. How, how are we to be wise? What's it look like to be wise? Make the most of every opportunity. He goes on, verse 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Isn't that good? So as we interact with people, especially those who, who haven't opened their hearts to, to Christ yet, we're to be wise, making the most of every opportunity. But as we talk, that our conversation, our words would be, and it's interesting, always, like there's a consistency here, full of grace. Seasoned with salt. Now, what's he getting at there? And he's saying, okay, helps us understand what he's talking about. When something's seasoned with salt, what, what does that do to us? Makes us want another bite. It's why it's almost impossible to eat one chip, right? It's seasoned with salt. If something has salt on it, it immediately makes an argument in your mouth before you take the next bite. You need another one of those. That our conversation would cause people to think, keep talking. Say something. Go on. 
seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to, to answer everyone. So, our essential, fourth essential, as we set out to go blessed, we're praying, we're focused on the truth, we're fearless, and then fourth essential, we are full of grace. Let your conversation be always full of grace. I know right now, as I was studying this text, I wanted to just, or I did, hit a timeout and just say, Lord, forgive me, because I have a long way to go, and perhaps you're feeling that right now, and this is one of those that it's always out there. I don't think we ever quite hit it, but what, a, what an awesome calling that God has given us, that as we interact with the people around us, that, that we would be full of grace, that our conversation would be full of grace. And it raises the question, okay, what is that? What, what's that look like? To which John raises his hand and says, I can help you. John chapter 1, 14 says, the word became flesh. And when John wrote the word, it's the logos, it's another word for Jesus. The sum total of, of God's knowledge became flesh. And he made his dwelling among us. Literally, he tabernacled among us. He came and he, he was pitched his tent with us. He was one of us. And we have seen his glory. So Jesus was fully God, fully man, and we, we have seen the glory of God in Christ, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. And what's that glory look like in this school? Full of grace and truth. As you think about our calling to go bless and that access, what, what must be present? Truth, but also grace. And we have seen it in him. And what a gift we have as we look to Christ through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to just watch him live. And what's that look like to, to be full of grace? It doesn't mean that we, we sidestep on truth or that we don't have the, the honest and sometimes a hard conversation or candid conversations as he had. But it means even in those hard moments that, that the tone and our words are still full of grace. I was thinking about that and just living in the mystery of how does God sit down at a, a dinner table and really befriend people who reject him so that others would say he's a friend of sinners? Like, how does that happen? <laughs> it's hard to wrap, like, like he was... He was their friend. And how does a sinner, somebody who is obviously running from God, and we know in this culture, I mean, they had said, no, we don't want any of that, enjoy being with perfect holiness. Like that, that blows you away, doesn't it? When you stop and think, this is God. Jesus was perfect holiness. And yet people were drawn to him. Like, okay, being with him, how does that happen? And I think we have a clue in this phrase, full of grace. And so it leaves us asking, okay, what is grace? Like, like what is that? And we know that in Paul's life, really the theology of grace is fleshed out where over a hundred times, as Paul writes letters to the churches, he writes about grace. And he, he describes, even in his, uh, I'll summarize it, grace is a gift that costs the giver everything and nothing to the recipient. And it's undeserved favor. 
Paul uses it over a hundred times in his letters. And the longer Paul lives, the more his appreciation for grace grows. We see this in a letter that he wrote near the end of his life in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14. Paul writes this, The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. You stop and think of Paul's life. He was passionate when he was, his name was Saul, passionate about what was right, but he was actually doing what was wrong and persecuting the church, persecuting Christians. And Jesus meets him there on the road to Damascus and says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And hits him with blindness for three days. And then he says, Paul, I'm not done with you. I'm going to use you to go bless. And Paul, as he thinks about this and what he's done, he's like, wow. But notice it's, it becomes personal. It says, here is a trustworthy saying, verse 15, that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came in the, into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. It's interesting. I, I think if I was writing this, I'd be tempted to say, Christ came to save sinners, and I used to be one of them, right? But what does Paul write? At the end of his life, it's present tense, I am the worst. And as our appreciation for the grace of God grows and as we walk with Christ and spend time at the cross and allow him to shine the spotlight of his word into our hearts, we, we realize, I need grace today. And in some ways, the grace of God today is even greater than what I needed then because I've sinned in ways that having his grace I should have never sinned and I'm the worst of sinners. And yet his grace won't stop. Such that Paul, it becomes the anthem of our praise over in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. It says, in him in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. But it's not going to stop over in 2 verse 6. It says, and God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his, what? Grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved. The grace of God, as we understand it and as we rest in it and celebrate it, as our appreciation for it grows, Something happens to us, doesn't it? Whereas we interact with the people around us and we see their issues and their failures and it's like, you know what? We're seeing past that as we understand what God has done for us. And as I was struggling to say, okay, what's this really look like in, in, in my life? As I would, if I would talk in my conversation being full of grace, what's this look like? And summing this all together, looking at the life of Christ and and the words of Paul and thinking about this idea of grace as undeserved favor that costs the giver everything, the recipient nothing, the recipient doesn't deserve it. Three words came to mind that that are helping me, and I'll share them with you and you can process this, but this is grace. When grace is present, it's, it's three words. I'm for you. I'm for you. As we talk, there's this sense, and you can feel it when someone is, their speech is full of grace, heart full of grace, it's, I'm for you. I'm not seeing your failures, I'm not seeing your, I don't have a scorecard out here, and if you don't measure up, then I'm going to stop doing you good, stop blessing you. No, 
I'm not even, the scorecard is gone. I have no agenda. There's no strings attached here. You're not a project. I am for you to bless you. I'm for you. I want to see you thrive. My joy is your joy. That's grace. Because I earned it, deserved it. No. I am simply for you. Isn't that awesome? That's the grace of God. That's Christ. And he says, all right, as you go with this truth, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace, fill up with this. Treat people like this. See people like this. Talk like this. As I was thinking about who, uh, who models this and what this looks like, an image came to mind this past week, and, and one of them was uh, Tiger Woods walking down the, the 18th fairway, a guy that has uh, gone through a lot. Great comeback in terms of physically, also morally, has been off the rails and yet has come back. Well, as I was thinking about Tiger, the guy that came to my mind was Hank Haney. And uh, Hank was one of Tiger's coaches. And when I, a year or so ago, said, I, I want to deconstruct the golf swing and try to actually learn how to hit a golf ball right, my brother, who's our family golfer, said, you should, you should hire Hank via his book. And so I did. It's this seven-point plan to build a, a better swing. And as I opened that up on a Monday morning, I couldn't put it down. And it was two reasons. One, there was truth behind this. Hank was sharing, hey, these are the essentials. If you do this, it will work. But the other thing that, that caused me to just keep reading, and, and at the end of it, I'm like, I love this guy, was that Hank believes in me, and, and he's for me. Like, he really thinks an average, mediocre, or below average golfer can hit the ball straight. I mean, he really does. And he's showing me how. And so when I would go out and practice, and there, there it goes right, there it goes left, I would hear Hank saying, no, no, you can do this. Just practice this. Get the, check the essentials. Are you on play? Set He's for me. So I was watching a YouTube clip with Hank. He was giving a clinic to some people, and one of the guys in the crowd raised his hand and said, hey, we know you, you've given uh, Charles Barkley some, some lessons. Um, can you tell us about Charles Swing? And he was lobbing one up just to laugh at, at Charles, right? Because if you've seen Charles Barkley, NBA basketball player, gets out there, he has this horrible hitch. It's almost like, is he trying to make you laugh? But he goes up to swing, and then he, he goes back, and he goes, and does that. And it's just, well, so he lobs this question up. Really, everyone's going to laugh, and what's it? What, what uh, Hank did was he didn't laugh, and it was interesting. He, he said, yeah, now Charles has some, he's got a hitch, but we've been working on that, and you know, it's like stuttering. When, when you stutter, you have to re reprogram your mind, and it doesn't go away right away, but you make progress, and he went on to just say how proud, proud he was of, of uh, Charles and the progress that he was making, and as I'm watching that, I'm thinking, what beats in this guy's soul, Grace? He's for Charles. That's who he is. So as I was thinking about, okay, who would I want to spend an afternoon with? If, I, if our family went over to Lyra this afternoon and Tiger Woods is on the corner booth over here and he's waving us over and then Hank Haney is on the corner booth over there waving us over, who would I want to go hang out with? I respect Tiger for his golf skills. But you know who I want to be with? <laughs> Hank, why? He's for me. Jesus came full of grace.
race and truth. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of God, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. As we set out to go bless, on one axis we have truth, the other axis we have grace, praying and fearless, and God works through us. It was interesting, Rob, who's putting together our small group curriculum, was uh, shared a, a, uh, a recap from a book. It's, it's the book, The Missional Entrepreneur. A guy named Mark Russell wrote this book. He's a businessman who did an experiment where he went out and he surveyed 12 businesses, and they're called BAM, Business as Mission, and they all went into Thailand, and there were two groups. One was um, called the Blessers, and the other was called the Converters, and the Blessers went in with their primary focus of figuring out how can we go in and just do, do a business in a way that would bless this community, bless these people, both um, economically, socially, but also spiritually. But the primary focus wasn't driven towards conversion, but just let's go bless, build relationships, and, and um, celebrate the moments that, that people come to Christ. The second group, the converters, brought in a business from outside Thailand, and their primary goal, the, the business was kind of secondary. Their goal was just to go in, agenda was share Christ as much as we can, have the conversation, and however the business does, you know, that's secondary. Well, it was fascinating, the results. And it says, what, what he discovered was the blessers did much more good, in, in, uh, employed more people, generated more income than the converters did. That was the blessers goal and they met it. But the blessers also saw more conversions take place. And what shocked me and, and really causes you to just stop and think about this was the ratio. Their ratio of conversions, people opening their hearts to faith in Christ, was 48 to 1, blesser to converter. The, uh, it says... A whopping 96 people gave their lives to Christ through the blessers over a, over a several-year period. In contrast, the converters who identified their primary goal as spiritual conversion saw only two people make new faith commitments to Jesus Christ over the same period. So they asked the question, and it's something we can think about, talk about, but why was there such disparity? The blessers built more deeply genuine relationships, hired people for the longer term, invested more capital, in the economy and created greater income and built deeper trust with the community. So when the founders and the leaders of the Blesser companies did talk about their faith in Jesus Christ at the right time, the local residents listened and they were genuinely interested and influenced profoundly by the Blesser's natural, relaxed manner in sharing their faith. And I thought about the model of our Lord, incarnational ministry, coming to, to be with, to love them, not to be, see, people as a project, but rather to do life together, to be a blessing. It says, on the other hand, the converters never really became part of the local community, partly because their agenda overshadowed their relationships. People do not care about our agendas unless they, get that we know that, unless they know we get them as people and care about them and are committed to their well-being. Be wise in the way you act.
toward outsiders. And so the big picture, bringing it all together then. How, do, how does this all work together? God has called us. We have been blessing Christ to go bless. He's equipped us. He's called us to be praying, to be focused on the truth, to be fearless as we set out, even in the face of rejection, and then to, to be full of grace as we go out to be a blessing. I, as I was thinking about grace, it's all over the, the New Testament, but one thing that's interesting, the, the last word God gives us in his word to us, guess what it is? You ever looked at the last sentence of the Bible? Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. And guess what God leaves us with? The grace of our Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Isn't that awesome? May we be people full of grace. All right, so now we come to our, our moment of commitment. And if you would grab your, your uh, Connect card here. And if you don't have one, we'll have our ushers. If, if, could our ushers go ahead and if we have uh, anyone does not have one of these, we'll go ahead and, and uh, you can just raise your hand here in a moment. They're grabbing them to hand these out. But one of the uh, pieces that, as a leader, first I want to say, this is, this is like being a part of this blessed commitment is not a thus say it the Lord. So you don't have to do this, and don't, if you choose not to do this, don't feel like you're any less at all. But the idea here is, um, this is something we're going to do as a ministry team, kind of a, an agreement together. Let's all pursue this, this goal together. And we'll be sharing this over the next couple of weeks. If you want to think, pray about it, if this is the first time you're hearing it. But one of my jobs as a leader is to explain rationale. So five quick reasons that we're pursuing this and reasons that, that I'd encourage you to, to make this commitment. First, commitment helps us move from good intention to action. And there's just something about us as humans that when we sign, I'm in, we're more apt to actually do it. And one example from our lives, I've, for about 15 years, I've said, wouldn't it be great if, Tam, we, we went, did a, we'd go dancing together. And just a great way to have a date, connect with each other, and get a good workout on a Friday night. We still haven't done that. Why? I haven't signed up. Haven't uh, signed up for a class. And probably won't go dancing together until I, we do sign up. So similar concept here. What are the odds that, that we'll go focused on blessing people this year? They will rise in, in the level of our commitment, won't they? And if, if we know, and I know as leader, I'm committing to this. That, that it's going to be a part of my focus this coming year. Second, commitment will help us maintain focus on this plan throughout the year, which has long-term potential. So if we commit, this is something I'm going to do throughout this ministry year. What if this paradigm gets stuck in our head I was thinking 20 years from now, as I'm interacting with the people around me, if I'm thinking bless, like, okay, begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, and then share, there's some power in that as I'm interacting with, with people. And so this, this has long-term potential. The, the commitment piece will help us stay focused, which could bear fruit for a long time. Third, with every additional person on our team that commits to this, we gain the, the possibility of, of impact. Impact potential grows with each one of us 
that teams on this. And this is just really core to ecclesiology or, or who we are as the church. We're the body of Christ, and God leads us and guides us. And we've been praying about this for quite some time. We, we sense this is where God's leading. And it's, uh, the picture that helped me was the picture of the golf swing. And if we tee the ball up and uh, get ready to drive, our goal is to hit that thing 250 yards. I'm making all kinds of noise, aren't I? We'll grab this. It's distracting. All right. The, uh, so, yeah, the golf, uh-oh. <laughs> I always think when I grab one of these, Lord, do you want me to be T.D. Jakes, the bishop? And uh, the answer is always no. <laughs> but I do wish I could preach like him. But anyway, so... The, uh, but that idea is when we're swinging together, we can hit it a lot further. What if when I'm getting ready to hit that ball, my thumb, and every member of the body has an ind- ind- indispensable part. And it's interesting in a golf swing, it does take every member of the body. What if my thumb said, nah, I'm not really in on this one. I'm going to sit it out. We're still going to hit the ball, but it's not going to go, you know, 250 yards straight, but it'll be 120 and so this is one of those that, that we really do need the whole team and, and would uh, ask that if you're on the fence, please, even just for the sake of, hey, I'll jump in with the team and run this, that you would. Then the, th- the fourth reason is this blessed plan is a great discipleship tool. And you may be thinking, I've been, this, I'm already doing this. I don't need to commit. Well, would you be willing to commit to help somebody else commit? And so as like Don meets with a couple guys at Mickey D's to disciple them, help them in their journey that this is part of that. We're saying, hey, guys, are you, are you doing this? And let's do this together. And it's, we're passing it on. And then fifth, a fifth reason is that we'll provide resources for you as a church. And so we're committing to, as a staff, to um, for those who commit, we're going to be sending you resources throughout the year to uh, just help you and encourage you in your journey. So one of the questions is, what are you, what are you committing to? And if you grab your, uh, the Connect card, and did we have, did the ushers already come up to hand those out? Does anyone not have a Connect card? We want everyone to be able to be a part. Okay, if you just read that blessed commitment, that's the, really the commitment that, that we will, I commit to pursue the blessed initiative, knowing that I've been blessed, I will do my best to be a blessing, starting at home, starting with my family, but then my small group, church family, and then into my neighborhood and to the people around me. The, uh, say, well, what's that look like? And again, we have these cards in the back if you haven't grabbed one, but really it's just working this acrostic, beginning with prayer, listening, um, eating together, sharing or serving, and then looking for opportunities to share. So bringing this all together, and we'll have our worship team come on up at this time. And the, uh, the Lord has given us everything we need in his word to, for our faith and for our life. But he does get our attention through a variety of things. And perhaps you've noticed maybe it was a sunset or a conversation or a sickness that God has, has uh, caught your attention. Well, well, recently he caught my attention with a golf ball. And I was out in the woods looking for my ball and I found another ball. And what this ball had on it Stop me in my tracks. I was thinking about our bless initiative and thinking about we've been blessed to, be, to bless and check this out. And it's written in let, red letters. 
which we know red letters in the Bible, those are Jesus talking, right? <laughs> like, yes, Lord, I hear you. And as I thought about this in that day celebrating this reality of I have been blessed, so blessed, yes, but not to sit here on the tee. I've been blessed to go bless. So it is for us. And as we come to this commitment time, really it's, it's a surrendering, isn't it? Where we're saying, Lord, when you say go, I'm not going to sit here, but I'm going to go bless. And whatever that may look like in my family, dads, it may be stepping up to lead saying, I will go bless my family as I, I lead a go bless huddle. And we actually grab this as a, a family unit and pray together. I'll step up and lead. It may be in the small group where, where it's like, you know what? And it's been awesome seeing so many of us committing to be a part of a group. And, but rather than coming to that group with a, an attitude of, I hope these people bless me, saying, I will step up and I'm going to live with this attitude of, Lord, just pour your blessing through me to these people. And when he nudges you to go do something, to do that, boom, I'm in. I'm going. Surrendered. And then it's saying, Lord, I know you put me here sovereignly in this neighborhood, at this work, not just so I can get by, but so, so that I can be a blessing to the people around me. So when you nudge me to walk across the street to my neighbor and it's going to take time and, and risk inviting them maybe to Easter or Christmas, I'm in. I'm going. The go bless movement of God hinges on his people who are surrendered to his lead. Ordinary people, ordinary days where the spirit of God just says, it's time, go, and boom, we're going. This initiative is really readying our soul for those moments. And what might happen if we're all living surrendered to his lead? So we're sitting at a, a table in Minneapolis. Elder team went up there for a conference. And a guy comes walking in off the street. Big, I mean, a thousand people in this cafeteria. But this guy comes over and sits at the table by Doug Wicker. And uh, Doug, here's the whisper, go. Talk to this guy. Get to know this guy. They spend probably an hour talking, and Doug's get, learning about his life and just blessing him. He, he's opening up Scripture. He's talking him through where God may be leading him. And near the end of the conversation, he says, uh, the Lord whispers, give him your Bible. Not, not my Bible. If you've walked with God for a while, you know this is, this is your sword. And you get to know your Bible, and you love your Bible, and you know where stuff's at, and you've marked stuff. And the Lord's whispering to Doug, give him your Bible. And I know, I, not my Bible, but what's Doug do? Boom, he hits it. Slips him his Bible. And I think today, ordinary day, ordinary moment, God gives him an opportunity to go bless. And who knows what God did through that moment and now even still through Doug's Bible. That guy could be sitting in a church, open up to the text, and there Doug underlined a passage, and God uses that passage to move that guy to greater commitment to Jesus Christ. Maybe God uses that guy to be like the Apostle Paul to the millennial, gener millennial generation. Who knows? But it hinges on a go and a willingness to go. And so I've asked Doug to come on up this time, lead us in prayer as we make this commitment together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. 
blessing of this day, this message, your word, your truth, Lord, that you've given each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to open our eyes. Put aside our eyes to see you more clearly, Lord. When the, when the world surrounds us and the, the clouds and the, the muddy waters surround us, Lord, and we lose focus of you, Lord, I just pray that you help us to see you more clearly today. Help us to see the greatest blessing that you've given each and every one of us, Lord, and that's the, the salvation from a life of sin and death, Lord to a life full of immeasurable riches of your grace and kindness towards us and your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, teach us to respond, to not just be hearers of the word, Lord, but to be doers of the word, to, to open, our, open our hearts and our minds and, and pour your grace, your mercy through our own lives, Lord, into the lives of others around us so they may see you more clearly, Lord. Help us to be a blessing in the community around us, Lord. Lord, I see just a picture of your son on the cross giving everything he had to be obedient to you, pouring his blood out so we may be here today. And it is in his name.